All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Riggo's Rag podcast. We've got another podcast coming up later this week. Uh, we're going to have Connor Forrest on in a mailbag podcast. We, we asked you guys for some questions, so that'll be fun. Today, though, we've got something different in mind. It's just me and Jacob, again, uh, doing one of these discussion podcasts. We recently started our top big boards for prospects. We got our quarterback big board out there for the top 10, and we got the top 20 wide receivers out there. I wrote the quarterback big board, Jacob wrote the wide receiver big board, and as you might imagine, there was some disagreement there. So we are here to kind of duke it out, we're going to see who comes out on top. No, just kidding. It's all subjective. Uh, You know, you can have different rankings, but uh, it's it's interesting to get different perspectives, so we're going to be talking it out, kind of seeing how the other thinks, and you know, hopefully you guys can learn a little bit more about the prospects and the way our thought process is when we're evaluating. But first off... Jacob, how you doing? It's a Friday. Uh, draft season is approaching uh, very fast. How's it going? I am doing great. I am so happy that the draft is almost here. Can't be more excited for it. Yeah, it's like uh, it's bittersweet, you know, because it, it's going to end. But at the same time, it's a busy time. <laughs> you know, you have a lot of a, a lot of prospects to study, and uh, you think you have more time than you do. You know, it comes up on you quick. Like we're we're two weeks out, and uh, it's yeah, I have a lot of guys that I still need to get to, but. Two position groups that we did inspect, the quarterback position and the wide receiver position. Uh, we got our big boards out, as I mentioned earlier. So, Jacob, we don't really have a plan. Uh, so, I'll let you start. What do you want to start with? you want to start with the quarterback or the wide receiver? We're going to tear into each other either way. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I think let, let's start with the quarterback first because we got to have someone throw into these receivers. and uh, That's very true. We got, we got 10 quarterbacks and uh, a few more receivers. So if we, if we get started with that, I think that's our best bet. All right, all right. So I'll just uh, I'll run through my quarterback big board for you guys in, in case you missed it. Uh, missing the cut, I had 11 to 15 uh, on the first slide. At number 15, I had Arizona State, Manny Wilkins. 14, I had Purdue quarterback David Below. Uh, 13, Fresno State quarterback Marcus McMarion. 12th, I had Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew. I know some people are high on him. You know, I, I think he's a good late-round guy, but nothing more than that. And then number 11, a guy I'm really low on, Jared Stidham out of Auburn. Some guys have him in their top five. I, I don't see that, but uh, he didn't crack my top 10. Who did crack my top 10? I got Ryan Finley at 10 out of NC State. Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo at 9. Easton Stick, North Dakota State at 8. Number seven, Jordan Tamu out of Ole Miss. Now we get to the big guns. Uh, number six, Daniel Jones out of Duke. That might be a little low. I have a feeling Jacob disagrees with that one. Uh, number five, we have Will Greer out of West Virginia. Number four, Brett Ripien out of Boise State. And top three, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State at three. Drew Locke of Missouri at two. And the runaway winner at number one on an island is Kyler Murray. So, that's my top 10 big board for the quarterbacks. So, Jacob, I'll let you speak your mind. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Nothing held back. Yeah, you absolutely hit it on the head that I strongly, very strongly <laughs> disagree with Daniel Jones being at six on the big board. Yeah, guys, I, um, I, I texted Jacob. I was like, because I, I was conflicted about this. I was, I was. I kept flipping Greer and Jones, and I texted him. All right, Jones is back at number six. He's like, are you kidding me? Or something along the lines of that. Like, he was... He was flabbergasted, man. Let me tell you. But keep going. Yeah, and I understand that. Like, like he's my top quarterback prospect in this draft. Maybe number two, depending on how I feel about Kyler Murray any given day. Uh, but I, I really like Jones' skill set. I think he has a lot more upside than people are giving him credit for. 
Um, he's a good athlete. He can throw the ball pretty well. He doesn't have, like, elite arm strength, but he knows how to make all the throws. It comes from a pro-style offense. Um, so I-, I can understand having him, like, fourth on the top four quarterbacks. I can see that. But having him behind Will Greer and Brett Rippon to me is it, – it's just jarring because I see so much more upside with Jones. And again, I get the downsides. I get some people don't think he has a high ceiling. And I can see that to an extent. But I, I've maintained this point in recent weeks. If you took Daniel Jones and put him around a solid supporting cast like of college playmakers, like put him at Ohio State where Dwayne Haskins was, I think a lot more people would be talking about Daniel Jones as possibly the top quarterback in this class because he was surrounded by lackluster talent at best at Duke. So uh, having him below Will Greer, who I think is good but has some issues with consistency and accuracy, and Brett Rippon, who I think is the next Colt McCoy, I, ju- I don't see that at all. Yeah, it's for me, and that was something that was very clear on tape with Daniel Jones. Uh, his supporting cast was not good. You know, he receivers were dropping passes. His offensive line was inconsistent. I get that. Listen, I'm, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a break there. But to me, to me, it's really important to separate the individual prospect from the supporting cast. And that, that kind of played into my evaluation of Dwayne Haskins as well. Because, you know, everyone points out, oh, 50 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. This guy is playing with 5-star recruits, 4-star recruits all across the board. He had three NFL caliber wide receivers in his receiving core. Ryan Day, one of the better offensive minds in college football. So, I, you know, I think Haskins had a really good situation and it reflected very well. And then you can say the opposite for Jones, you know, had a very poor situation around him. And it didn't reflect so well. And I think, I think you can give him a little bit of, of a break there. Uh, I do agree. But to me, individually, he didn't play well enough for me to give him completely the benefit of the doubt. And we could play the what-if game all day. But um, if I'm evaluating these prospects, you know, I, I'm looking at what's there and to me, Jones, I know he's an athlete. I know he's got the height. You know, he checks those boxes. But he and Will, Will Greer will go with that first. Uh, Will Greer, I think, is a good athlete at quarterback as well. And I think their arms are pretty similar. You know, they're above average, but they're not great. You know, they're not going to make the throws that they might need to make in clutch situations. I thought they both had some issues with accuracy further down the field. Yeah, I, I thought Jones worked the quick game very well. But if I'm going with a quarterback in the NFL, I want a guy who has that aggressive mentality, that guy who can push the envelope a little bit more. And I think it's easier to get an aggressive guy to work back into his comfort zone than try and expand the comfort zone of a guy who isn't consistently aggressive and doesn't consistently push the boundaries and try and maximize a play. And I didn't see that enough from Jones. Rippian, I think, is a little bit above Greer. I think he's very accurate. Um, I think people kind of sleep on his accuracy. And his he goes through progression so quickly, man. The mental the mental game is what got me to put Rippian up there. You know, I get the player comps. Personally, me, I try to avoid player comps. That's partly because I haven't been doing this for a very long time, so I, I can't really I don't have that reference. But um, I, you know, looking at Rippian's traits, you know, I, I think he's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in this class. Uh, very good fundamentals, very good mechanics. The arm is not top tier. You know, I'd say it's a little. I'd say his arm is average if Daniel Jones is above average. But I think Rippian has all the all the traits that you want from a guy who can start in the right situation. People really sleep on his floor. I, I agree his upside is limited, but I think his floor is good enough where he can produce with the right situation around him. I, I can't say, looking at Jones, I, I'd like to think that he might be able to elevate guys around him, but I just didn't see that often enough. That 
that was the biggest thing for me. But I can see where one would disagree on that. Yeah, and I actually like Rippin. I have him as my fifth court, uh, fifth on my board um, ahead of Will Greer as well. I think he might be limited by that lack of upper echelon arm strength, and that's why I compare him to McCoy. And I obviously only use player comparisons just to compare skill sets. Like yeah. obviously, guys can guys can outperform whatever player projection there are they have, or they can underperform them as well. But I just I don't see much upside. I think he has a high floor. I think. How I feel about Rippin is probably how you feel about Jones. I think that's where we're at. Um, but, you know, it's a good debate to have. It'll be interesting to see what values uh, the teams put on them. Um, yeah. You mentioned another guy earlier on your board that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, you have Jarrett Stidham at 11, and we're I think both of us are pretty low on him in terms of um, having him on the Redskins. Um, so I was just... I guess why why do you have him so low? I think I know the answer to it, but I'm just curious for he those just, that are when uh, Stidham supporters. You know, people talk about the upside with Stidham. That was the that was the go to line. You know, with the way too early mock drafts. You know, look at this guy's upside. Looking at his tape, I didn't see a lot of zip from his arm. He really panics under pressure a ton. But the biggest thing for me is that the Auburn offense they had to simplify it for him a lot and. He's not a guy that I would want to invest in. You know, people, everyone was expecting this growth from him, and I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see the consistent accuracy. He was very meh to me, you know, and the the mental game from him, you know, rarely went through his progressions, uh, really didn't see the field very well, and just not a lot of progression, uh, not a lot of growth, and that's that's not a guy I want to invest draft capital in. Kind of like... You know, the, the gap between him and Ryan Finley was small, but I kind of went with Ryan Finley's experience and, you know, the, the the mental aspect of it a little bit more. You know, I think he'd be a little bit better, but Stidham, not a lot of upside and really a low floor as well, if I'm the evaluator, you know. Whenever he was asked to kind of play to the prospect that a lot of people hyped him up to be, it, it never happened, you know, and I just... Yeah, I didn't see any of the traits that I would want out of a guy like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, the biggest issue for me was his performance under pressure. Yeah. Um, he, he, he gets scared so easily. We even Panics. saw that in the senior bowl. He, I think he fumbled He fumbled at least once, maybe twice, got hit behind the line a lot. And I know it's a senior bowl, but hypothetically speaking, you shouldn't be under a lot of pressure in that type of all-star game and just on tape. That, that lack of poise was definitely something that worried me. Um, so I'm not high on him as a developmental prospect either. He's a guy I would take maybe late, um, like fifth to seventh round, but I'm yeah. not one of the people who's in the camp of let's spend a third round pick on him and hope we can turn him into something at the next level. Yeah, the mocks having him in the third round, that's not nah, cool with that. Come on, that, that's that's way too high, but... Um, you mentioned poise. Let's, we'll go back to Daniel Jones real quick. That's one thing I really like about Jones is his toughness, you know. Uh, but there's a lot more to quarterback evaluation. And, I, you know, it, it was tough to rank the guys the way I did. But, you know, and I, I might look back at it, but I, I, did a lot of, I, I did a lot of studying. So I'm pretty confident with it. But, you know, everyone sees different things. Did you at least agree with my um, – where would you have had Daniel Jones? I'm curious. Um, I would have had him at one or two. Um, I like Kyler Murray. I, I still have minor concerns just about the height. Um, I know he, he's pretty much a Russell Wilson clone if you look at it like that, and he has 
upper level passing ability. So I think he'll make it in the NFL. Um, but I just think Jones has so much untapped potential. And I know that's a dangerous word, but I really think he's ready right away to come in and just keep getting better like Carson Wentz was as a rookie. Like he might not have a great rookie year, but he could really make the leap that second year. Um, so one and two would be Murray and uh, Jones in whatever order I'm feeling. I agree with having Locke over Haskins. I know we have this conversation a lot um, about Dwayne Haskins, and he's a very good prospect. He reminds me of Jameis Winston a little bit in terms of the arm talent and ability he has. He has really good accuracy and uh, could stand to improve his ball placement. And he's not as mobile as Winston either, but I just see I see more upside with Drew Locke there. Um, Haskins needs to improve his downfield ability. Um, so I, I like Locke just because he reminds me of Jay Cutler with a better personality, and I'm, I'm all for that type of strong-armed quarterback. So I, I generally agree with your top three. I generally agree with your big board. I'm just – I'm a bit higher on Daniel Jones, and I think I'm a bit higher on Ryan Finley, who I'd have around the sixth spot, just because he's super accurate. It reminds me of uh, Alex Smith. He just doesn't have arm strength. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, there's always going to be those minor disagreements. I, I want to bring up Locke again, because every time, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big, I'm, I'm a little higher on Drew Locke than most people, I would say, and I'm willing to kind of over, not overlook but understand the context surrounding some of his issues. Like I know people say he's inaccurate. A lot of his inaccuracy when I saw on tape was because, you know, he would take himself out of the play with his footwork. You know, he, he has this tendency to drift backward. And from there on, you know, when you don't have a solid platform, it's going to hurt your ability to, you know, deliver a tight ball. But when his feet were set, he delivers some dimes. And even on the run, he can make some wow throws. And I think he has the men. You know, if he didn't have the mentality that he has, uh, I wouldn't have him at two. But because you hear so many good things about his mentality, because his teammates rave about him, you know, and because he just has his franchise quarterback charisma, I've, I think that does hold a sort of intrinsic value in the locker room. Having a guy who your teammates can rally behind, a guy that they can believe in with that confidence. Uh, I want I want him to develop a little bit more so his play can kind of instill a little bit more confidence, you know, with that footwork. But he's got the arm talent, I think. And when his base is set, he can make some really good passes. So I'm, 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 I would take the risk on him at 15. Uh, Haskins, the upside with me is not as big there, although he might have a higher floor. I think Haskins has the highest floor uh, in the class aside from Murray. Um, but uh, yeah, Kyler Murray, when I was looking into it a little bit more, I still have some questions about his preparation because the whole Dan Patrick thing was kind of, that kind of scared me a bit, but I'm willing to, you know, he's got the arm talent, the athleticism where I'm like, hey, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm projecting with these, with this prospect evaluation, I'm, I'm doing what they, what they can be. And if I'm measuring what they can be, then Kyle Murray is easily the number one guy. But um, uh, obviously going to be some disagreements about upside and uh, Daniel Jones is a big one. So we'll, we'll definitely see. I, I'm not as sold on his upside and I think, you know, uh, he's generally limited, but you like his athleticism, you might be a little higher on his arm. So we'll just have to see. That's the, that's the beauty of it is that we have, we have receipts, you know. Uh, you, you can come back to this podcast next year and figure out who was right, who was wrong, and it's, it's a good time, and then we can learn from it and uh, evaluate. But uh, enough about my quarterback big board. Let's get to your wide receiver big board. Jacob, we got some time left, so why don't you give people the rundown there? 
Yeah, so we'll go through it quick. Um, running through the top two guys on my board, both from Old Miss, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Uh, Debo Samuel came in at third, Marquise Brown at fourth. Um, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State, I have at five. And Paris Campbell was at six. He was originally higher, but moved down a little bit, which we can discuss later. Um, I know you'll probably disagree with me having Hakeem Butler at seven because I know you're high on him. I can see um, how Sam- you'd be low on him, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kelvin Harmon comes in at eight. Andy Isabella from my alma mater, UMass, which is playing for the Frozen Four Championship on Saturday, hey. uh, comes in at nine. And um, Riley Ridley from Georgia rounds out my top ten. Then we got some guys beyond that. Um, I won't get into them right now. We can touch on them later if we have some time. Uh, but I guess, I guess, uh, what what do you think? Well, who do you think I'm too high on? Who do you think I'm too low on? Uh, hmm. I'd say it's a pretty solid big board. I can tell you do this for a job of some sort. Um, <laughs> Debo Samuel at three. I'm a big fan of Debo. I would have him there. Uh, I think your top five is pretty solid, although I might swap Nikhil and Marquise Brown. Uh, I know Brown's the speed guy, but Nikhil after the catch is just so, to me, his, he's got the contact balance. He's got the vision to make the most out of every catch. And so I, would, I wouldn't have Nikhil above four, but I'd probably I'd swap them. But that's, that's nothing. DK is my number one, so we're good there. Um, Paris Campbell. I'm a little, I think I'm a little lower on. I think he's a little raw. Um, and I, I'm not sure his upside is as explosive as people are saying. You know, he's got the speed, but I don't want to draft a guy for just speed. So I, I don't know about that. But I, I do think he has potential, especially in the modern offense of the NFL. I would put Hakeem over him. I'm not sure where, I'm not sure how high I'd have Hakeem because, uh, I, you know, we, we talk about potential, but he does have a lot of issues to clean up, you know, catching, route running, press coverage. So, and, and a lot of that's been coming up recently. So I can see how you'd be low on him. I, I might have him in my top three, but uh, definitely a, a dynamic potential. Um, Kelvin Harmon, eight. A little low for him, I think. He's, he's got, he's a very polished receiver. You kind of know what you're getting. But, you know, if you're, again, if you're valuing upside on your board, then that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Andy Isabella, he should be number one, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, I try to check my bias. So <laughs> yeah. I, I did not put him higher than I think he should go. I, I really tried to value him as as evenly as I could. No, I, I think that's a good. I would have him over Paris Campbell, honestly. If we're if we're if we're ranking those speed threats, I would have Isabella over Paris Campbell. I think Isabella is a bit more uh, rounded out for the NFL level. Um, but uh, yeah. I still, they're, they're both pretty good prospects. Riley Ridley. I like the Riley Ridley love at number 10 because I know some people are lower on his upside, but he's he's a really good route runner. So I might I might have him a bit lower than that, but that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing on this board, the, the talking point, is Paris Campbell. And like you said, he is definitely raw for the next level. But one thing I saw on tape at Ohio State, I really – didn't think they used him properly really? um, at any point. They never really had him run routes or anything. They'd either have him go out on a deep route and just chuck the ball up to him or keep him close to the line of scrimmage, get the ball in his hands so he could make plays after the catch, which he's very good at. But they could have used him in more of a variety of ways as opposed to using him as more of a gadget player because teams can prepare better for that. Campbell definitely needs to work on his route running, but he's got the separation skills and speed needed 
to be a big-time playmaker. And I can see him fitting in as a Z receiver at the next level. And I don't want to get hung up too much on the X versus Z versus slot debate because (laughs) I think a lot of people get too hung up on the fact that the X is the rarest of the receivers to find. Um, I, I don't believe in taking someone for a specific position over someone who has more talent. Um, but anyway, for Campbell, he's, he's just the type of guy who could be a vertical playmaker. He can get the ball in the run game. He, he's really reminiscent of Percy Harvin a little bit. So that's why I'm higher on him than most. But I understand why people would have him lower because he really is raw and needs to improve his um, route running for the next level. Yeah. Now we talked about – okay. So I can agree with that. We talked about the route running upside. Okay, now, now, what what are you doing having Stanley Morgan at 21 then, Jacob? Come on, man. Yeah, so I, I totally understand why <laughs> people want him higher. And I like him a lot. It's just such a deep receiver draft. I it is. really contemplated putting him in around where I had Jacoby Myers. Um, they're different receivers, obviously, but um, just – the fact of the matter is I'm hung up a little bit on some of these speed threat and slot guys. Not that Morgan isn't as dynamic of a speed threat, but I think he's better served as a high-class route runner. I um, so I, I almost put him in the top 20, but I couldn't justify taking out Gary Jennings or Hunter Renfro because I think Stanley Morgan's going to be a really solid player with a high floor, but I just don't know how high his ceiling is going to be. Yeah, yeah, and I can agree with that. You know, he, I think he's a good athlete. I saw his RAS score the other day, and he's actually, you know, the, the explosion agility numbers are pretty good. But, uh, dude, yeah, this, this receiving class is crazy deep. Like, I, I was trying to put together a top 25 big board today, and I kept, like, I kept, like, having a player that I wanted to put somewhere. And then it's like, oh, wait, but this guy could go ahead of him. But this guy could go ahead of him. It's like, but now he's at 22. But he should, but I, that's not, that doesn't reflect how I view him as a player. So it's crazy. Like, uh, there's some guys on your board, uh, like Jalen Hurd at, at uh, hang on a sec. Jalen Hurd at 22, Dylan Mitchell at 23, Keyshawn Johnson at 25. Those are good players. Uh, it just speaks to the depth of this class. Anthony Johnson from Buffalo is another great one. Uh, some guys that you didn't have on your board that I'm really high on are like Tyree Brady from Marshall, uh, Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. Uh, but you know, you, those are guys that you know you could you could. It's very subjective on where where they would go because they're kind of in that they're kind of in that mush in the middle where it's like you could put anyone anywhere really because uh, it's just it's so tight. But yeah, it's a it's a huge class, and I think that's why you went with twenty five is just because it's really tough to sort it out. So I commend your efforts, Jacob. Is there anyone you want to talk about in those middle in that in those middle tiers that you're you're particularly high on as kind of a developmental or kind of a gem in the rough? Yeah, I actually think Jacoby Myers from NC State. Just in, I was watching tape of Kelvin Harmon specifically, and Jacoby Myers just kept jumping out on me. I mean, he has some pretty good footwork and solid athletic ability. And he had a 1,000-yard receiving season last year. And that might have been because Harmon was getting a little extra attention. But I don't think anyone's really been talking about him enough. Um, I think he could be a a gem in the middle rounds. Or maybe even if he falls to round five, he could end up being a starter in the slot or as a Z receiver. Um, So he's a guy I like. And then another guy who I think is a little bit on the rise is Miles Boykin from um, Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. 
I had him at 12. I had him in my initial top 10, but I ended up moving Riley Ridley above him and J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Um, but Boykin tested really well. He's got pretty good size, and, you know, his, his tape isn't, isn't terrific, and he doesn't have a lot of proven production. But I, I just see him being able to develop into a solid receiver who can catch a lot of passes. And I, I think he's going to go earlier than most expect. He could go at the end of round two. A team like the Patriots might be interested in him. So the Redskins should keep an eye on him. He's available with that round three pick 12. They may have to consider taking him because he could he could end up being a starter on the outside. He tested really well, that's for sure. And we've we've seen guys, you know, when they test well at the combine, it's just it's over. You know that that puts your that gives you the stamp for the second round right there. So that'll be interesting because I know his tape isn't very good. It's not very solid. You know, there's a lot of a lot of holes in his game, but he's so athletic. Uh, you got the upside there where you know might be worth taking a risk early. So another guy, uh, actually, we'll take a look at this. This might be the biggest discrepancy on our two receiver boards because I kind of remember how I had it. You have Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri at um, number 14, and I had him at 6, I think. So oh, wow. Okay. I, I was I... His explosion to me is like the guy's burst is – Yeah, I love how quickly he can generate velocity. You know, with his frame, and he's got the size-speed combination where I'd, I'm, I'd be very high on him. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? So his explosion is incredible, and he's got a great 6'3 frame. I think mm-hmm. he, he averaged 20.8 yards per catch during his career, which is yep. absolute insanity for a guy that size. The problems come from the fact that he's been injured a lot in his career. He's only played 10 games once during his college career in a single season. Like, so he's constantly banged up. So there's a little bit of a toughness question. Uh, will he play through those minor injuries that a lot of NFL receivers have to play at? So that's why I downgraded him. Um, I think he ha- he has the upside needed to be a top five receiver in this class. And I think if he had stayed healthy, um, he might've had the chance to do that. But I think he's ultimately going to be a, um, a day-two gamble, and he's going to possibly become a high-end number-two receiver. But he has the explosive ability needed to do it. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and what team is willing to take a risk on that. I didn't even realize he was 6'3". I thought, you know, it's weird, man. Uh, last year when we when I didn't do very deep player evaluations, I kind of like the, the height and weight was the first thing I went to. But now, you know, you kind of – you go to the tape, you don't really, you don't really comprehend the, the numbers all, all the time. So I thought he was like six one or something. He's six three. That's that's impressive. Now I agree. I, oh, I'm sorry. Metro didn't six two at the combine. So okay, um, okay. So but still splitting the difference between what we thought. He's pretty tall for a receiver. Yeah, yeah, and like, but the injuries is definitely a concern, especially when you know. Um, I I always like to give prospects a grain of salt with injuries because. It's true. You can't really predict it. It's not very predictive. It's just kind of random. Uh, like Sean Dion Hamilton, you know, he he dropped around six because he like tore his ACL and broke his knee in college or something, and he stayed healthy through all sixteen games for the Redskins. I know they worked him, they eased him back into it, but he he never had any concerns. So it's it's not it's not always predictive, but you know, if it's been a repetitive problem, then it is something to take note of. So I can I can see how you bump him down, but dude, again, it just speaks to the depth of this receiver class. Like you can get a a key contributor in round three or four, like honestly. So uh, if they were to draft a quarterback and receiver, I would really be up for 
reuniting Drew Locke and Emmanuel Hall round one, round three. If that happened, you know, that would be a possibility that I'd be very on board for. It's crazy, man. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it works out. So I don't know. Anything else you got? We're almost out of time. So I'll let you get the final word, Jacob. I'll let you have your moment. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest? Yeah, just regarding the receiving class in general, I, I agree with you that it's very deep. The interesting thing about this class, though, is that it's not top-heavy at all. Like, mm-hmm. DK Metcalf is the only guy who's probably going to go in round one, and he might even go a little later than people think. Not, like, super late or anything, but, you know, if people don't like his tape but like his athletic ability, it, he may end up going a little after people think, but... I think that we have a real potential to see a lot of guys come off the board in that round two to early round four range at the receiver position. And I think they're going to end up being solid contributors. You're not going to get a lot of like elite guys in this class, but they're going to be like those guys that catch a lot of passes in big games, who can pair well with number one receivers. And I think for a team like the Redskins this year, you've got to grab two receivers in this draft and just they're going to become some sort of contributor for the team. Um, so definitely look out for them grabbing a couple guys on day two and day three to uh, shore up that receiving core. Yeah, and that's kind of a warning. Maybe not going round one. I like DK, but you know, if there's better value that can be had, maybe it's the right thing to do. Um, we'll have more podcasts up for you guys. We've got a mailbag coming up on, when, on Thursday. And uh, if we have some more big boards, we might get back together and do this kind of scouting report thing. So I really appreciate you guys listening. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Peace out. Have a good night.